Section 38 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2, by Chiao Xuqing, translated by Henry Bancroft Jolie, Chapter 44, Part 1. By some inscrutable turn of affairs, Lady Feng begins to feel the pangs of jealousy. Bao Yu experiences joy beyond all his expectations when Ping Er receives a slap from Lady Feng and has to adjust her hair. But to resume our narrative, at the performance of the record of the boxwood happen at which all the inmates of the household were present, Bao Yu and his female cousins sat together. When Lin Da Yu noticed that the act called the man offers a sacrifice had been reached, this Wang Shipeng, she said to Bao Chai, is very stupid. It would be quite immaterial where he offered his sacrifices. And why must he repair to the riverside? At the sight of an object, the proverb has it, one thinks of a person. All waters under the heavens revert but to one source. So, had he bailed a bowful from any stream and given way to his lamentations while gazing on it, he could very well have satisfied his feelings. Bao Chai, however, made no reply. Bao Yu then turned his head round and asked for some warm wine to drink to Lady Feng's health. The fact is that Dr. Lady Jia had enjoined on them that this occasion was unlike others, and that it was absolutely necessary for them to do the best to induce Lady Feng to heartily enjoy herself for the day. She herself, nevertheless, felt too listless to join the banquet. So simply reclining on a sofa of the inner room, she looked at the place in company with Mrs. Sher, and choosing several kinds of such eatables as were to her taste. She placed them on a small teapoy, and now helped herself to some, and now talked as the fancy took her. Then allotting what viands were served on the two tables assigned to her, to the elder and younger waiting maids, for whom low covers were laid, and to those female servants and other domestics who were on duty and had to answer calls. She urged them not to mind, but to seat themselves outside the windows, under the eaves of the verandas, and to eat and drink at their pleasure, without any regard to conventionalities. Madame Wong and Madame Singh occupied places at the high table below, while round several tables outside sat the posse of young ladies. Do let that girl Feng have the seat of honor, Oli Di shortly told Mrs. Yeo and her contemporaries. And mind, be careful in doing the honors for me, for she is subjected to endless trouble from one year's end to another. Very well, said Mrs. Yeo. I fancy she went on to smile, that little used as she is to filling the place of honor. She's bound, if she takes the high seat, to be so much at a loss how to behave, as to be loath even to have any wine. 
elderly Vijaya was much abused by her reply. Well, if you can't succeed, she said, wait and I'll come and offer it to her. Lady Feng, with hasty step, walked into the inner room. Venerable ancestor, she smiled, don't believe all they tell you. I've already had several cups. Quick, pull her out, old lady Jia lovingly cried to Mrs. Yu, and shove her into a chair, and let all of you drink by turns to her health. If she then doesn't drink, I'll come myself in real earnest and make her have some. At these words, Mrs. Yu speedily dragged her out, laughing the while, and forced her into a seat, and directing a servant to fetch a cup, she filled it with wine. You've got from one year's end to another, she smiled. The trouble and annoyance of conferring dutiful attentions upon our venerable senior, upon Madame Wang, and upon myself, so as I have nothing today with which to prove my affection for you. Have a sip from my hand, my own dear, of this cup of wine I poured for you myself. If you deliberately wish to present me a glass, Lady Feng laughed. Fall on your knees, and I will drink at once. What's this you say? Mrs. Yeo replied with a laugh. And who are you, I wonder? But let me tell you this once for all, and finish. That, though we've succeeded, after ever so many difficulties, in getting up this entertainment today, there is no saying whether we shall in the future be able to have anything more the like of this or not. Let's avail ourselves then of the present to put our capacity to the strain and drink a couple of cups. Lady Feng saw very well that she could not advance any excuses and necessity obliged her to swallow the contents of two cups. In quick succession, however, the various young ladies also drew near her, and Lady Feng was constrained again to take a sip from the cup each held. But Nurse La Da too felt compelled, at the sight of Dowager Lady Jia still in buoyant spirits, to come forward and join in the merriment. So putting herself at the head of a number of nurses, she approached and proffered wine to Lady Feng, who found it once more so difficult to refuse that she had to swallow a few mouthfuls. But Yuan Yang and her companions next appeared, likewise on the scene to hand her their share of wine. But Lady Feng felt, in fact, so little able to comply with their wishes that she promptly appealed to them entreatingly. Dear sisters, she pleaded, do spare me. I'll drink some more tomorrow. Quite so. We are mean lot. Yuan Yuan laughed, but now that we stand in the presence of your ladyship, do condescend to look upon us favorably. We have always enjoyed some little consideration, and do you put on the airs of a mistress on an occasion like the present, when there's such a crowd of people standing by? Really, I shouldn't have come. But as you won't touch our wine, we might as well be quick and retire. While she spoke, she was actually walking away, when Lady Feng hastened to lay hold of her and to detain her. Dear sister, she cried, I'll drink some and have done. So saying, she took the wine and filled a cup to the very brim and drained it. Yuan Yang then at length gave her a smile, and she and the friends dispersed. 
Subsequently, the company resumed their places at the banquet. But Lady Feng was conscious that the wine she had primed herself with was mounting to her head. So abruptly staggering to the upper end, she managed to betake herself home to lie down when seeing the jugglers arrive. Get the tips ready, she shouted to Mrs. Yu. I'm off to wash my face a bit. Mrs. Yu nodded her head assentingly, and Lady Feng, noticing that the inmates were off their guard, left the banquet, and wended her steps beneath the eaves towards the back entrance of the house. Ping Er had, however, been keeping her eye on her, so hastily she followed in her footsteps. Lady Feng at once propped herself on her arm, but no sooner had they reached the covered passage than she discerned a young maid, attached to her quarters, standing under it. The girl, the moment she perceived them, twisted herself round and beat a retreat. Lady Feng forthwith began to give way to suspicion, and she immediately shouted out to her to halt. The maid pretended at first not to hear, but as while following her, they called out to her time after time, she found herself compelled to turn round. Lady Feng was seized with greater doubts than ever. Quickly, therefore, entering the covered passage with Ping Er, she bade the maid go along with them. Then, opening a folding screen, Lady Feng started herself on the steps leading to the small courtyard, and made the girl fall on her knees. Called two boy servants from among those on duty at the second gate, she cried out to Ping Er to bring a whip of twisted cords and to take this young wench who has no regard for her mistress, and beat her to shreds. The servant maid fell into a state of constellation and was scared out of her very wits. Sobbing the while, she kept on bumping her head on the ground and soliciting for grace. I'm really no ghost, so you must have seen me. Don't you know what good manners mean? And stand still? Lady Vong asks. Why did you instead persist in running on? I, I truly did not see your ladyship coming, the maid replied with tears in her eyes. I was besides much concerned as there was no one in the rooms. That that's why I was running on. If there's no one in the rooms, who told you to come out again? Lady Fong inquired. And didn't you see me, together with Ping Er? at your heels, stretching out our necks and calling out to you about ten times. But the more we shouted, the faster you ran. You weren't far off from us either, so is it likely that you got deaf? And are you still bent upon bending words with me? So speaking, she raised her hand and administered her a slap on the face. But while the girl staggered from the blow, she gave her a second slap on the other side of the face. So both cheeks of the maid quickly began to get purple and to swell. Ping Er hastened to reason with her mistress. My lady, she said, be careful, you'll be hurting your hand. Go on, pommel her, urged Lady Feng, and ask her what made her run. And if she doesn't tell you, just you take your mouth and tear it to pieces for her. At the outset, the girl obstinately prevaricated, but when she eventually heard that Lady Feng intended to take a red-hot branding iron 
and burned her mouth with, she at last, sobbingly, spoke out. Our master Secundus, Mr. Lin, is at home, she remarked, and he sent me here to watch your movements, my lady, bidding me go ahead when I saw you leave the banquet and convey the message to him. But, but contrary to his hopes, your ladyship came back just now. Lady Fung saw very well that there lurked something behind all she said. What did he ask you to watch me for? She therefore eagerly asked. Can it be, pray, that he dreaded to see me return home? There must be some other reason. So, be quick, and tell it to me, and I shall henceforward treat you with regard. If you don't minutely confess all to me, I shall this very moment take a knife and pare off your flesh. Threatening her the while, she turned her head round, and extracting a hairpin from her coiffure, she struck it promiscuously about the maid's mouth. This so frightened the girl that, as she made every effort to get out of her way, she burst out into tears and entreaties. I'll tell your ladyship everything, she cried, but, but you mustn't say that it was I who told you. Ping Er, who stood by, exhorted her to obey, but she at the same time impressed on her mind to speak out without delay. Mr. Secundus himself arrived only a few minutes back. The maid began. The moment, however, he came, he opened a box, and taking two pieces of silver, two hairpins, and a couple of rolls of silk, he bade me stealthily take them to Bauer's wife, and tell her to come in. As soon as she put the things away, she hurried to our house, and Master Secundus ordered me to keep an eye on your ladyship. But of what happened after that, I've no idea whatever. When these disclosures fell on Lady Fong's ears, she flew into such rage that her whole person felt quite weak. And rising immediately, she straightway repaired home. The instant she reached the gate of the courtyard, she espied a waiting maid peep out of the entrance. Seeing Lady Fong, she too drew in her head and tried at once to effect her escape. But Lady Fong called her by name and made her stand still. This girl had ever been very sharp, so when she realized that she could not manage to beat a retreat, she went so far as to run out to her. I was just going to tell your ladyship, she smiled, and here you come. What a strange coincidence. Tell me what, Lady Fong exclaimed. That Mr. Secundus is at home, the girl replied and has done so and so, she then recounted to her all the incidents recorded a few minutes back. Choi, ejaculated Lady Fong, what were you up to before? Now that I've seen you, you come and try to clear yourself? As she spoke, she raised her arm and administered the maid a slap, which upset her equilibrium. So, with hurried step, she betook herself away. Lady Fong then drew near the window, lending an ear to what was going on inside. She heard someone in the room laughingly observe. When that queen of hell sort of wife of yours dies, it will be a good riddance. When she's gone, Charlene rejoined, and I marry another, the like of her, what will I again do? When she's dead and gone, the woman resumed, just raise Pinger to the rank of primary wife, 
I think she'll turn out considerably better than she has. At present, Charlin put in, she won't even let me enjoy Ping Er's society. Ping Er herself is full of displeasure, yet she dares not speak. How is it that it has been my fate to bring upon myself the influence of this evil star? Lady Feng overheard these criticisms and flew into a fit of anger, which made her tremble violently. When she, however, also caused the praise heaped by both of them upon Ping Er, she harbored the suspicion that Ping Er, too, must, as a matter of course, have all along employed the sly resentful language against her. And, as the wine bubbled up more and more into her head, she did not so much as give the matter a second thought. But, twisting around, she first and foremost gave Ping Er a cup of wax, and with one kick, she banged the door open and walked in. Then, without allowing her any time to give any explanation in her own defense, she clutched Bao Er's wife and tearing her about. She belabored her with blows. But a dread lest Jia Lin should slip out of the room induced her to post herself in such a way as to obstruct the doorway. What a fine wench, she shouted out abusingly. You make a paramour of your mistress' husband and then you wish to compass your master's wife's death, for paying her to transfer her quarters in here. You base hirelings, you're all of the same stamp, thoroughly jealous of me. You try to cajole me by your outward display. While abusing them, she once more laid hold of Ping Er, and beat her several times. Ping Er was pummeled away till her heart thrilled with a sense of injury. But she had nowhere to go, and breathed her woes. Such resentment overpowered her feelings that she sobbed without a sign of a tear. You people, she railingly shouted, go and do a lot of shameful things, and then you also deliberately involve me. But why? So shouting, she too clutched Bao Er's wife and began to assail her. Jia Lin had freely primed himself with wine, so on his return home, he was in such exuberance of spirits that he observed no secrecy in his doings. The moment, however, he perceived Lady Feng appear on the scene, he got to his wit's end. Yet when he saw Ping Er also start a rumpus, the liquor he had had aroused his ire. The sight of the assault committed by Lady Feng on Bao Er's wife had already incensed him and put him to shame but he had not been able with any consistency to interfere. But the instance he espied Ping Er herself lay hands on her, he vehemently jumped forward and gave her a kick. What a vision, he cried. Are you likewise going to start knocking people about? Ping Er was of a timid disposition. At once, therefore, she withheld her hands and melted into tears. Why do you implicate me? she said in things you say behind my back. When Lady Feng described in what fear and dread Ping Er was of Jia Lin, she lost more than ever control over her temper, and starting again in pursuit of her, she struck Ping Er while urging her to go for Bao Er's wife. Ping Er was driven to exasperation, and forthwith rushing out of the apartment, she went in search of a knife to commit suicide with. But the company of old matrons who stood outside hastened to place impediments in her way and to argue with her. 
Lady Feng meanwhile realized that Ping Er had gone to take her life, and rolling head foremost into Zhao Lin's embrace. You put your heads together to do me harm, she said, and when I overhear your designs, you people conspire to frighten me. But strangle me, and have done. Jarlin was driven to despair to such a degree that unsheathing a sword suspended on the wall. There's no need for any one of you to commit suicide, he screamed. I too am thoroughly exasperated, so I'll kill the whole lot of you and pay the penalty with my own life. We'll all then be free from further trouble. The bustle had just reached a climax beyond the chance of a settlement when they perceived Mrs. Yeo and a crowd of inmates make their appearance in the room. What's the matter? they asked. There was nothing up just now, so why is all this row for? At the sight of the new arrivals, Jia Lin, more than ever, made the three parts of intoxication under which he labored an excuse to assume an air calculated to intimidate them, and to pretend, in order to further his own ends, that he was bent upon dispatching Lady Feng. But Lady Feng, upon seeing her relatives appear, got in a mood less perverse than the one she had been in previous to their arrival. And leaving the whole company of them, she scampered all in tears over to the offside into Dowager Lady Jia's quarters. By this time, the play was over. Lady Feng rushed consequently into the old lady's presence and fell into her lap. Venerable ancestor, help me, she exclaimed. Mr. Charlin wishes to kill me. What's up? precipitously inquired Dowager Lady Jia, Madame Singh and Wang and the rest. I was just going to my rooms to change my dress, Lady Feng wept, when I unexpectedly found Mr. Charlin at home talking with someone. Fancying that visitors had come, I was quite taken aback, and not presuming to enter, I remained outside the window and listened. It turned out, in fact, to be Bao Er's wife, holding counsel with him. She said that I was dreadful, and that she meant to poison me so as to get me out of the way and enable Ping Er to be promoted to be first wife. At this, I lost my temper. But not venturing, nonetheless, to have a row with him, I simply gave Ping Er two slaps, and then I asked him why he wished to do me harm. But so stricken did he get with shame that he tried there and then to dispatch me. Dowager Lady Jia treated every word that fell on her ear as truth. Dreadful, she ejaculated. Bring here at once that low-bred offspring. Barely was, however, this exclamation out of your lips, then they perceived Jarlin, a sword in hand, entered in pursuit of his wife, followed closely by a bevy of inmates. Jarlin evidently placed such thorough reliance upon the love which only the Jar had all along lavished upon them, that he entertained little regard even for his mother or his aunt. So he came with perfect effrontery to stir up a disturbance in their presence. When Madame Singh and Wang saw him, they got into a passion, and with all dispatch, they endeavored to deter him from his purpose. You mean thing, they shouted, abusing him. Your crime is more heinous, for our venerable senior is in here. It's all because our worthy ancestor spoils her, 
cried Jarlin, with eyes array, that she behaved as she did, and took upon herself to rate even me. Madame Singh was full of resentment. Snatching the sword from his grasp, she kept on telling him to quit the room at once. But Jarlin continued to prattle foolish nonsense in a driveling and maudlin way. His manner exasperated Dowager Lady Jia. I'm well aware, she observed, that you haven't the least consideration for any one of us. Tell someone to go and call his father here, and we'll see whether he doesn't clear out. When Jarlin caught these words, he eventually tottered out of the apartment. But in such a state of frenzy was he that he did not return to his quarters, but betook himself into the outer study. End of section 38